broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 120 of Freight 360. We only got one more left this year, Ben, and that's 2022. How you doing today, man? Turning the corner. Yeah. I'm doing well. Weather's nice. How's the weather up there? Still warm? No, it's, it's uh, what do we got here? 30 degrees right now. A little breezy today. It felt like a little chillier, but high of like high 30s or 40. We're not going to see consistently cold weather until January. Actually, I looked at like the long range forecast yesterday to try and figure out when I can get my ice rink frozen and ready to go. And it's going to be like the... For, it won't be until like probably the second week of January. Maybe the first week, depending on how the weather actually pans out. But it's definitely cold, just not getting a lot of snow. It's not sticking. I think they showed, like, our by this time each year, we typically average, like, two to three feet of snow. It doesn't all stick. Really? To, it'll, com- it'll compound or yeah. some of it'll melt. But, like, we've only gotten, like, I think seven inches total. And the ground's bare right now. It's all melted. So weird year. Weird year. But anyway... Uh, we got a good episode today on what to do when shit goes wrong as a freight broker. Uh, but first, welcome back to Freight 360. And if you're brand new, we're so glad you found us. Don't forget to leave us that review. We are going to be raffling off a free uh, Freight Broker Basics course to the best comment or review that we get before we hit our 100,000 uh, downloads, which is we're creeping up on. I think, you know, I'm thinking of the next two weeks. So, Leave us that review. Uh, it could be a comment on a YouTube video, whatever you want to do. We're putting out a lot of content every week now. Blogs on the website, videos on YouTube and on the website. Uh, obviously, if you're not signed up for our newsletter, it goes out usually every like Tuesday or Wednesday. Go to the website, freight360.net, and just run the homepage. Subscribe to the newsletter. There's a button right there at the top. Throw in your email, and um, you know, you'll get it every week until you're sick of it. And then you can uns- unsubscribe if you want. But anyway. Yeah, don't forget, if you throw a comment or leave us a review, we're going to throw you in a raffle to give away a course to a listener. So keep up the comments, keep throwing in the reviews. We'll throw you in the raffle at the end of the month, and then we'll give away a free course. I'm almost wondering if you weren't listening to me because I just said that. But that's Did okay. you? I didn't catch that part. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Uh, all good. Uh, well, cool. So before we get into the episode here, I do want to do a little sports recap. We're coming into the final few weeks of the NFL. And that's obviously the hot topic. Well, actually, before that, hockey shut down. I don't know if you saw this. COVID mm-hmm. outbreaks. Um, they shut down hockey. Um, NFL, obviously, this previous week, we saw Thursday night football, Saturday football, Sunday football, Monday football, Tuesday football, all because of COVID. We saw it last year. We saw it again. We've seen it now this year as well. Um, the Bills actually have um, Cole Beasley out on the COVID IR this week and actually he's gonna miss two games because he's not vaccinated so he's got to miss 10 days um, before he's eligible to come back in so curious to see how the the sunday game versus the patriots goes i don't think it's going to be a huge game changer it's going to be a close matchup either way who could throw longer josh allen or mac jones we all know the answer is josh allen but whose defense can stop their team and just win the game that's the question so steelers man steelers are in it still yeah, Insane. didn't look bad. Beating the, beat the Titans, I think, was last weekend. Yeah, it's Tennessee, weekend. and then they play the Chiefs Sunday. 
you never know. Actually, I saw a rumor today that it's talking about Seattle and saying that um, Seattle's quarterback would be potentially better suited on Pittsburgh to win a Super Bowl. So, I don't hmm. know, man. How, how, how much Ben's, longer does, does Big Ben have, you think? How many years? I would say one at best. He's like, old. He's got to be like 38. He's 39. Like I think, my, I think Russell, because Russell Wilson is only like in his sixth year or something like that for Seattle. So, I think he would do, I don't know. Wouldn't that be interesting to see a, a big NFC quarterback like that come over to, you know, the AFC and just shuffle things up? My son and I were talking about that yesterday, actually. We were talking about diets, actually. And I ordered the uh, Tom Brady book. What is it, like TB12, where he talks about, like, everything that he does, right? Apparently, like, his diet and everything. Yeah, he's uh... – TB12 is, like, his brand. So he's got, like, clothing. He's got, like, nutrients, um, a fitness plan. He's got, like, all, all kinds of stuff. Because so. I just ordered the book. But anyway, we were talking about him and Ben. And it's like, I watched the game last week. I'm like, he Tom Brady looks better than he did, like, honestly, like 10 years ago. And I'm like, I'm watching on a football game. And I'm like, he looks like he's 45. He looks like he's like 25 or 28. And I'm like, I don't yeah. even remember him looking that young 10 years ago. And my son's like, yeah. And then you compare him to somebody like Ben. He's like five <laughs> years older than Ben. Ben's been eating sausage and permani sandwiches and Iron City beer for the past 20 years. Yeah. He looks like 50. <laughs> so I actually, I just looked up Russell Wilson. He's in his 10th year. I don't think I realized that. He got he started in 2012 in the league. Um, but even like a guy like him who's Russell Wilson's like in his young 30s, right? And he looks great. Ben Roethlisberger, you, could, like, you just see the dude on the field and you're like... How many donuts did he eat today? Well, there's absolutely that. But the other side of it is, and into all his credit, I mean, he's had a tremendous career, and he has gotten destroyed throughout of it. I mean, I, right. they were going through his injuries. and he's like a more physical quarterback than Tom Brady. Yeah, like he's been just busted up more times than pretty much just about anybody else out there. So kind yeah. of giving credit where it's due. But, I mean, knowing the guy, I mean, like I met him a few times in Pittsburgh and, you know, hung out a couple of times. I'm like, he does not look in anywhere near the shape that Tom Brady is. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, golf news. Did you see Tiger and his son? Tiger's son, dude. Took second to John Daly and his son. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. The, the pictures were, they made me laugh, showing like Tiger and his son compared to uh, Daly and his son. Very different. Oh, son, John's son, John Daly's son looks just like him. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, oh, yeah. Just like him. All yep. he needs is a, you know, a Pepsi and a pack of cigarettes. Yep. And it'll look just like John Daly in 1989. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, hey, before you know, we're going to be talking golf again as we come into the new year and, you know, everything Soon. starts up. So, but uh, good stuff. So, hey, give us a shout out to our friends over at DAT before we get into the content today. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, plus you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of Power Express or Trucker's Edge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good stuff. So today's topic all about how to handle a bad situation. And this is so relevant because any freight broker that's been in the business long enough, for anyone that's worked in our industry, 
whether or not you're actually slugging freight. You know stuff happens and it goes wrong all the time, which is the reason that we, we were given opportunity as freight brokers to to excel and really rise to the challenge and make a name for ourselves. Um, so I want to kind of highlight or just kind of start by setting the stage this way, right? As a freight broker, when people are like, you know, how do I, you know, how do I set myself apart and how do I really pitch myself? And they're like, you know, on-time deliveries and great communication and no damages. And it's like, to me, that's not a value add. That's kind of like your job. It's your job, right? That's, that is literally, that would be a, a like hire me. I'll show up to work every day. Yeah. I'll do what you ask me to do. That would be a bold, I'm, it'd be a bold yeah. point in your job description, right? Like this is yeah. an expectation. So I think when there's kind of, I think two really big ways that you can stand out as a freight broker. One is to come up with creative ideas for your customer. And the other way, other one is how to react in bad situations. If you can react, um, if you could turn a bad situation and make it as smooth as possible, even though it's not perfect, right? So kind of having great ideas for your customer that'll help them out or taking care of them when things go wrong. Those are the two big things that I see as a value add that will make you be remembered by your customer. So bad situations. Um, and we could just tell stories all day long, um, but that doesn't really do anything for us. So. What's, I mean, I guess, unless you have a different point or direction you want to pivot here, like what are some bad situations to start with? And then we could talk through what to do and definitely what not to do. Well, here's two things. So one is to your point, right? Most of your opportunities with a prospect to turn them into a customer or turn a small customer into a larger customer are gonna come from another broker or an asset company making a mistake, Dropping something going wrong. And I'll go furthermore, not only just something going wrong, but it's usually from the fact that not only did something go wrong, but that other broker or that other asset company didn't do what they could have done and they lost that relationship. That's usually where the opportunities come for a prospect to turn into a real big customer. It's yep. also one of the reasons why we don't know where our customers are gonna come from. We don't know where the opportunities will come from. We need a lot of prospects out there because something will happen and somebody will need us if we've got enough relationships out with enough prospects, right? Yeah. Absolutely fundamental. So when you think about it, knowing your opportunities come from when somebody something goes wrong. As I don't wanna say it's a mistake, just some things go wrong and we have a problem we have to deal with, right? It doesn't need to be an error on the broker's part or anybody's fault. Maybe the, maybe the, the carrier was stuck unloading at a receiver longer than he expected to be and he can't make it to your pickup and he didn't know until last minute. So now you're jammed up and you don't know what you're gonna do, right? You've got a fallout and it's nobody's fault, right? Yeah, I mean, realistically, think about it like this. Say me and you are both, we're both brokers and we're both working on the exact same load, right? If the carrier breaks down or something goes wrong with the carrier, it doesn't matter if it was me or you that booked that load, we both have the exact same issue and this exact same yeah. problem. It's how we then take the next steps and how we handle the situation with our customer and, and the carrier alike that's going to tell the story about who we are as a broker. I, I mean, I would be willing to think that you and I will both uh, be on the better end of things, but there are plenty of people out there that they just hide. They're like, I don't want to give bad news. I refuse <laughs> to give bad news until I have something Absolutely. good to give and that's terrible. Well, and here's the other thing, right? When I look back through my career and like where my real large customers came from, they almost all came on the back of one of these scenarios. On the back of something went horribly wrong. I was terrified I was gonna lose all the work I put into that prospect, 
But when you do the ethical thing, when we're what we're going to talk about, like going at the problem, right? Going right at it, face first, owning up to it, working on solutions, letting everybody know, and then addressing it, right? When you do that, that is your differentiator. Yep. That is where your prospects that are maybe your customers or maybe your customers, this is how they know that they've got a broker they can trust. It's not when things are going well. It's not just picking up a load and giving a reasonable rate. This is really where you have a pivotal moment to either turn this relationship into something very valuable or to quite honestly shit the bed and it's literally worth nothing, right? Yep. It's these moments. So I think, and we could delve into it as deep as you want, the communication piece I find is one of the, the leading the leading items that makes you either good or bad at handling bad situations, right? How quickly are you gonna tell your customer that, hey, this is not going well, or this happened? Or are you gonna hide and say, I'm gonna wait and see if I can get it fixed before I go and tell them, right? Um, and I've used this, I don't know. I've said this like a million times on the show. Bad news gets worse with time, right? Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's not going to get any better just because you wait to tell your customer about it. So but why is that though? And I want to I want to point out why that is the case, right? Why it is better to do it sooner is because the quicker that everyone is aware of the fact that there is an issue, the more time everybody has to try to find other options. 100%. And that's why it's also the ethical thing to do is to own up. As soon as you know you don't have an option, even if you're working to recover it, you wanna let your customer know, because maybe they have another option. Maybe yeah. they just talk to a carrier that's like, hey, I happen to have a truck there if you, if you need them, and you're scrambling. And the reality is, is when they find that out later, if they knew they could have fixed it, that's what makes it irreparable. You can't right. fix that. So we use a phrase in the army called parallel planning. Um, and the, the concept is the, the earlier you can give information out to two different parties, the faster they can work separately, but alongside each other towards the ultimate solution. And we can, you can give updates updates to one another as they come. But let's say, for example, you get some intuition or some um, gut instinct that something's about to go wrong with this load. Tell your customer ASAP. Give them a heads up because now you've got not just you, but somebody else that's planning for something to change. Right. And then you find out, yep, they ran into traffic or they they hit bad weather, um, whatever the case might be. Or they break down as soon as they break down or as soon as all this stuff happens, let your customer know they can let the, either you're going to let the receiver know or they'll let the receiver know um, unless they are the receiver. Um, but now you've got two parties both planning mm -hmm. and being proactive at this solution. If you remember Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the yep. number one in the book is people are proactive. They happen to life instead of life happening to them, right? So when you can get ahead of the situation here and let your customer know, let the receiver know, whatever, everyone is in a much better position and then you have, you've have you've instantly changed expectations, right? Because if that yep. situation gets worse and worse and worse and you wait to tell your customer, then they went from a zero to a 10 on the pissed off scale. And what is their first question? Why the first question they're always going to ask you is, when did you find out about yeah. this, right? And why That's didn't you tell the me? First question. <laughs> yeah. and, to, and to your example, right, like there have been plenty of times where I've had customers, like Flatbed is the one that came to mind the most because it would run into issues there. And it was like, I'd be like, hey, I've been trying to reach this driver all morning. I haven't reached him. I'm not sure if he's a fallout. Like he very well might still be there for the load. I just want to give you a heads up that I don't have another option and I can't reach this guy, right? Because again, like they can work their resources, parallel planning, they can find other ways. And sometimes they booked another truck and my guy showed up and they went, that's okay, we'll put another load together. 
And then we were able to turn into an even more positive. Like when you share and there's information is transparent and everybody can see all the way to the problem, when and where it's happening, it just makes it that much easier for everybody to solve. Yeah, and you, you will gain a lot of respect from your customer based on the way that you handle a bad situation, right? That That is when yes. your true character really will show. So if you're a bad broker, if you, if you lack integrity and you you lack you know an, an ethical and moral standard in your way you conduct business, that will show and it will shine through very, very brightly in a negative fashion when things go wrong. You might be able to hide it when things are going well, but it'll show through. And on the, on the flips, flip side, if you're, you know, you're good, you have a high level of integrity and you, know, you conduct yourself very professionally, the way you handle a bad situation will shine even better for you. So, yeah. Absolutely, I was gonna take through, and I know I haven't talked about this much, but we'll talk about this more next year on kind of like prospecting. I'm gonna be doing more prospecting, building a book. And this situation actually happened with one of my customers like a week ago. This is one that you and I were talking about, right? I had an issue where the carrier was supposed to pick something up by six o'clock Chicago time. So an hour behind us, talking with the carrier all day, all afternoon, right? Like one of these situations where you want an update every hour because the customer needed it every hour. Hey, just wanted to make sure this gets picked up by six. There's a big issue if we don't get it. No problem, talk to the carrier at one in the afternoon. We're getting updates every hour, right? But again, to what we talk about, the thing that will happen definitely in this industry is things are gonna go wrong, right? So come 5.55 our time, right? Which is about five o'clock their time with a deadline. Final update from the carrier. Hey, I know the window closes in five minutes. I wanted to update the customer that we got this completed, right? 5.57, what do you think the email, what do you think the message I got back was? Let me hear it, what, what is it? Truck broke down, oh. couldn't make it. Three minutes before the deadline, I find this out, right? Three minutes before. And now I'm in this position where like, and genuinely, right? Like I am worried about calling my customer. Even though we give advice, I've done this, you know, hundreds of times still, who wants to do that after hours, call their customer our time and go, hey, that thing I told you was good every hour all day, three minutes before the deadline at the 11th hour, we couldn't get it done, right? So again, like I'm dealing with the care and ironically, here's the other two things in that scenario. One, this person at my customer is a new rep. The person I've been working with there the rest of this year just moved out of it. So new relationship, I don't have the trust I had with the last person, right? First and foremost, which is why I was a little hesitant and I'm like, I knew it was just gonna be kind of a shitty call to make, right? Like who wants to do that? So, and also at this time, my carriers are asking for more work, right? And they were on me all day going like, hey, we need more freight from this customer. So I first go back to the carrier and I go, well, first off, how do you want me to go back to my customer and ask for more business? Which is what you've asked me for every day, all day this week, and I said I would get you, but now I've gotta go and tell them that we just basically dropped the ball at the 11th hour with no notification. Like if I'd have told him an hour or two ago, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Like I'm telling him when there's literally no time left to fix this, right? Which is what made me so frustrated. And they get it, but here's the thing, right? So first off, I was able to turn it into a positive for the carrier, right? That carrier now feels that pain and realized they didn't get what they wanted because of something they didn't do, right? So that helped that carrier relationship with our brokerage in a positive way moving forward, first and foremost, right? So now to the customer. So it's after six, I'm calling my customer after hours, 6.15 and going, hey, you know this, you know, the load we were supposed to take care of, 
We ran up to the deadline, truck ran into an issue. I wanted to let you know before you came into work tomorrow and checked on this and saw it wasn't picked up, right? Like I wanted him to know before his customer or his boss told him, right? And the first thing out of that person's mouth, right, was he goes, hey, things happen, Ben, I get it. There is nothing that frustrates me more though than me having my boss tell me before my truckers or my brokers tell me what happened. And that's exactly what he said. He's like, if I can get ahead of this, I can let everybody know there's an issue. Everybody knows that happened. I don't get reprimanded. I'm good. I basically covered his back, saved his ass by telling him early, which built me a lot of trust. That terrible call that I thought I was gonna have to make turned into a 45 minute discussion after hours. And by the way, that's what turned into an opportunity. It was after hours, so he had time. He literally told me not only some other things, but I ended up getting four or five different areas of business out of this customer because of this bad news. Literally, that like I didn't, I wouldn't been able to open for the past two months and he just gave them to me because he was in a good mood, felt like he avoided a huge headache the next day and rewarded us by giving us more business. So you brought up a, a good point there and it's that you're the rep at your customer, they have a boss too, right? So sure, a small mom and pop shop customer, they might be the owner of the company. Um, but if someone has a boss, you're right, they've got metrics. And like he said, if I found out from my boss and not from you, you know, I would be, he'd basically be out to fry, right? He, he'd, be, he'd be dealing with a whole bunch of other crap. Right? Absolutely, and that's the other positive thing, right? Like, I wasn't really aware that the managers were tracking their shipments every day. Sometimes that's done on a weekly, but like right now it's such an issue with obviously the Christmas and everything that's going on that like he's literally getting a report from his boss every day. So yeah. guess now what I know? When I took that information back to our carriers and I went, hey guys, here's the one big thing our customer really cares about. We always talk about where is your pain with your prospect, right? We don't always know. And that was a huge, like another positive for it was, I was able to go to our, our carriers and say, look, I know you're normally updating me the next day when you don't get these moves handled or these, you know, these loads done, but if you can tell me when they actually are done and aren't, I can get that to my customer before his boss gets in and that allows him to respond and avoid any of the headaches as it relates to us. Yep. That is a huge value add from our brokerage back to this customer. I basically saved him from getting yelled at at any load he ever gives me. Talk about an incentive. When he's got to decide who's going to handle his loads, knowing that he's more likely to be able to have less pain in the future by giving them to us, that's now our value add that we're going to focus on. Definitely. Um, so break, you know, obviously a breakdown like that. Those are common ones. We talked about bad weather, um, traffic, the getting no update from the carrier situation, right? This is one that I think people, because here, here's the deal. If a truck breaks down and you know about it, you physically know what's wrong with that load. If you just can't get a hold of your driver or the dispatcher or anyone at the carrier, you don't know for sure what's going on, but there's uncertainty. And I do believe this is, this is where a lot of brokers will fail to give their customer an update and let them know like, hey, I'm gonna be honest with you, I have not been able to get a hold of this driver all day, and I'm doing everything I can. I'm reaching out to the dispatcher, to the, the carrier, uh, you know, the actual terminal the carrier came from, and all that stuff to try to figure out what's going on here. Um, you don't necessarily have implicit bad news yet, or I guess explicit bad news yet, but you know something is off, and that is a good time to get ahead of it and let your, your customer know that there's a potential situation going on here. Not necessarily, right, could be, 
it could be that they're in bad cell service or their phone broke or what they're sleeping and they did whatever the case might be. Right. It could be a ton of stuff. Um, well, but it's not a bad idea to plant that seed. It's more than not a bad idea. Like it's also an opportunity for you to touch base with your customer again and add value, right? Like just providing this transparency is going to make them feel more comfortable and confident that when something does go wrong, you're going to tell them, right? Like these are huge positives that you can use to differentiate yourself. I could promise you the likelihood that the other brokers are doing this with your customer is pretty slim, right? Yeah, we had a, I, I don't know if I've told this story before. One of my, uh, one of our brokers at our company, she couldn't get hold of the truck or the driver. The dispatcher claimed that they were parked at a certain rest stop. The driver was refusing GPS tracking. And the truck, where, where they claimed that the truck was parked at a rest stop happened to be like 30 miles from my house. So she had a meeting, she had a meeting with her customer like, an hour later and she's like i have to give an update i don't know what to do and i was like i'm gonna drive there i uh, said so give me like i got like the tractor and trailer number the mc mm. number for the carrier and i was like i will tell you definitively if that truck is or is not there i drove to the truck stop sure as shit, no truck there they were lying right which doesn't surprise me and our kind of our right. gut told us that but even though it's bad news we were able to definitively tell the customer like the updates we're getting from this carrier are not true. We physically yep. went there and got eyes on, and that truck is not there on either side of the highway at either of the rest stops, um, which doesn't solve the problem. But at least we can eliminate the fact that, you know, we think it's there, which could mean it's still going to deliver on time. So now we can plan for it. it's not there. It's not going to deliver on time. We've got a situation here. We've got to uh, now plan for that. So well, and again, right, like it's called a supply chain for a reason, right? Like this affects something else that affects something else that affects something else right and it's usually somebody's word right like somewhere along the line at the end of the day somebody's waiting for this product to arrive right and somebody is also probably telling them to expect it so how do they look when they've got to tell their customer that they just aren't aware of where their cargo is where their product is when it's going to arrive i mean how do you feel now even when you buy something small from amazon and you don't know where it is right like we all now feel what it's like when we're supposed to be notified of a package and it doesn't arrive right especially when you're trying to get it in before christmas <laughs> and what if that's a you know a two hundred thousand dollar invoice right or a half a million dollar invoice or whatever that is right just a commitment to a customer right if we don't, if we are the break in this link in this chain, right? Then our customers don't know, their customers don't know, and that's where the failure is, right? Like that's what differentiates you throughout Absolutely. the course of working with somebody. The uh, the long the long and story short here, I guess, with this whole topic is communicate, communicate, communicate. Let your customer know as soon as you know or as soon as you assume something bad is coming down the pipeline towards them. That, I mean, I, we could tell a million stories all day long, but that is the big takeaway here. So What's one of the hesitate. bigger ones you've seen? What's that? What are some, have you seen any recent interesting ones? Um, I, I mean, I've had a ton of the, I can't get a hold of the truck, um, breakdowns, um, backups at the port, stuff like that. I, we, I mean, we even had one the other day where the driver somehow reached out. So the driver couldn't find the pickup number and they couldn't get a hold of the agent, but they had worked with another one of our brokers like a couple weeks before. So they got, they called the old, the other broker. So 
that broker got a hold of me and was like, hey, this driver's having an issue with someone else's load. They, I worked with them a couple weeks ago. But because of that, we were able to go in the system, figure out what they needed and get the information out to them. Um, and in the meantime, the original broker got back to them. So we ended up handling it by just leveraging the rest of the people on our team, right? So like one person was not, they couldn't get a hold of them for the pickup number, but you know, two, the, two others uh, or two of us outside of him were able to you know, help get that done as well. So there's that kind of thing. Um, try and think of any others. Um, Nothing off the top of my head. I mean, even when you get into instances where, like, I mean, things get lost or even stolen, right? Like, when you're eliminating what the I haven't dealt with theft. Yeah, I've had... Like, like, I mean, I've had the legit, you know, hey, they're they're threatening to hold it hostage until they get more, the carrier gets more money or gets a new rate count with a. What do you guys do in those scenarios, by the way? What is what's Pierce's policy? If someone's holding a load hostage, what do you guys do? I don't negate, don't negotiate with terrorists. I mean, no, uh, at, at the end of the day, um, every situation is different. So, I can tell you, if a carrier ever is gonna is going to play a hardball like that at when the situation's resolved, we're never going to use that carrier again. Right. Absolutely. Gonna, and that's without a doubt. Again. Right. Um, but I mean, in the heat of the moment, I don't know. I mean, if they're, if they're requesting, I'll tell you this, I've had some people that have told the carrier, yeah, we'll pay you what you're asking for. And then they'll at the, after the fact, be like, no, I'm not actually paying you that. They just set it to get the load delivered. I don't know, man. I you know it's like interesting. I, I feel like every situation is different. So at some of the larger brokerages, I know this is the policy, um, which is right. Like, what's your primary? What's the primary risk? Right. The primary risk is this cargo, right, and getting the cargo to the end receiver. So the way they typically viewed it was, and I've been involved in a couple of these, was we agreed to whatever they wanted on the rate con to deliver the cargo. To be honest. And what we did was document every aspect of it. So every phone call, right? Every email, what they were asking, why they were asking for it, right? And since they were holding the cargo, like the leverage, they had it, right? Our customer needed it delivered. And this one shipment happened to be, it was like a $400,000 shipment. So it was also pretty high value. And they were like, look, you know, either way, like our larger risk is that this cargo doesn't get delivered, right? You got 400 grand that we can't determine or they're holding hostage versus, and I think it was like, the original load was like between six or seven grand and they had basically held it hostage for like, it was like 10 or $11,000 at the end of it. Like they were asking for updates. They won, they got stuck in the snow and they were just literally holding it hostage and saying we needed to pay them. So what we did was, and this was through the team that advised me what to do. They were like, well, we're going to, we're going to prove this and we're going to give them the rate con, right? So they can deliver the cargo. And then what they did was they basically disputed it back to yeah. what they legally had to pay them. And they went, look, like, yes. And they basically outlined that, like, the rest of it was under duress. They were like, you know what, like, this this updated Raycon for the extra three grand is unwarranted. We are not going to pay that. They're yeah. like, this extra update, we're not going to pay this. They still paid them, like, you know, what the work was for what was completed. But the additional ones they were able to justify were, like, I don't know, extortion. Yeah. And I think you'll see too if if a carrier tries to fight it and file on your bond, the bond company. And we just we had a video on this, or I don't know if it released yet or not. Um, the bond company is gonna basically say like, give me both sides of the story, and they're gonna they're gonna determine pretty quickly like, yeah, you're not yes. entitled to that money, right? Yeah. Or you are, right? If if the broker's right. the one that's kind of hardballing. Um, 
Yeah, I, every situation is different. I mean, you you, you kind of got to get a vibe for how, what's the driver's tone on the phone. Because, I mean, there's there's legitimate times when the broker is in the wrong, right? The, the broker is, is um, not paying or they're deducting money from a carrier when they shouldn't be. And conversely, there's carriers that are demanding additional pay that they don't deserve it. So it, it, it can go both ways. So good stuff. Um, yeah, the big takeaway for me, communicate with your customer. Um, you got anything else before we hit Q&A here? Nope. Um, cool. We got three questions. But first, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. Is If you're looking to hire new folks for your brokerage or company coming into the new year here, check out Lean. It's leangroup.com is the website. They're, the Lean staffing division of the company has the near shore staffing model. So We've talked about it hundreds of times now. You can get folks that are down in their offices in Colombia, South America. It's very, very good English-speaking folks, uh, highly trained and educated in transportation. Ben, I know you, you personally have, have worked with some of the um, brokerage folks. We work with their, their marketing and tech folks. Um, they're great, right? And fraction of the cost of the U.S. So check them out at leangroup.com. And the quickness to hire, right? Um, oh, yeah. What, my, one of the assistants that I brought on about six weeks ago is from them. Um, fantastic. Couldn't be happier. The process, the ease of bring, being able to onboard him, not having to go through like a full-on interview and recruiting process was fantastic. Because they were able to basically push a button. Two, three weeks later, they brought us, I think, six candidates, interviewed them, picked the one that we thought was the best fit, and started 10 days later. Boom. Love it. All right. Um, this first question comes from one of our uh, audience members asked, how do I get my first shipper when I'm starting out? <laughs> uh, it's vague question, but I mean, we've talked through the, the sales process in quite depth. Um, you've got to gather your leads and you've got to put prospecting, prospecting activity in. And it comes down to that. And it's going to be a high volume of prospecting um, and fine-tuning your sales, quote-unquote, pitch. Um, and then, you know, finding that customer that gives you a shot. Um, do you have anything you want to add on that one? Yeah, there's no really, magic bullet, right? We've, we've said that before. There's no pill you can take to get your first And job. you're also not going to pick a target and hit it, right? The game is really just putting a lot of leads together and working through a process so you can methodically and consistently and systematically work through those leads until you start building enough rapport with enough people. Um, yep. You're not going to try to get a shipper. You're really going to try to go and get like 100 at first, but only two people are going to answer. And then the next day, you're going to try to get another 100 and only two people are going to answer. And out of those two that you add up every day, eventually one will turn into your first shipper. Yep. That's it. Persistence. Uh, okay, next question. Uh, is all the content in your course in video format and do you offer a certification? So th this is a... Sky sent us a message um, and kind of actually he, he gave us an example of a bunch of con uh, the content he found in a different course. I wanted to know if ours matched it. And it, it was funny. Um, his was from a college. So it was like an accredited university. And it was like $2,000 for this mm -hmm. freight brokerage course. Here's the here's the problem there. Right. No course you take for freight brokerage is going to give you a certification that you need to broker freight, right? There's a ton of them out there. We work with the TIA with coaching some of their folks with their new broker success package. We coach folks that go through the freight broker basics course. We coach people that have never taken our course, but have uh, they work in brokerage already and they want to get better. 
Freight brokerage requires a very minimal amount of things legally to get started, and there's no certification. You literally apply for your authority, get your bond, process agents, boom, right? You're, you're brokering. Succeeding is a very different thing, and that's where the course comes into play and the coaching does, right? We go through the things that you don't learn when you get your authority, right? Like, how do you actually gather a list of prospects to contact? How do you organize those prospects, right? How do you deal with issues with carriers? How do you find carriers? How do you organize your day? How do you set up your company and your office and manage your cash flow? These are things that no one's gonna teach you or show you unless you you know, actively seek some sort of guidance or counsel from somebody, whether it's a mentor, a coach, a coaching program, a, a training course. Um, so yeah, ours, anyway, to answer the question, Ours is a mix of video, audio, text, visuals, a lot of video though, ton of video. Everything's yeah, all of the content has the ability to, yeah, you're able to read it, you're able to listen to it, or you're able to watch it, all of it. We made sure it yep. was in whatever your preferred format. Yep, there's a handful of modules that are not in video format because it just would have been, it didn't add any value to it. We couldn't throw any visuals mm -hmm. in there. Um, like for example, the, the parts that go over like definitions and all that, it's way better to consume that in text version, yes. in my opinion. And anything that's just text still has an audio format as well you can listen to. Um, we do have a certificate at Den of Arts. It doesn't do anything, though. It's kind of just like, hey, you finished. Yeah. And I think Teachable produces one. Um, good stuff. All right. Next question. How does drayage work? This is a great question, Ben. I know you do some work in drayage. Um, I've, I've had a, a fair amount of exposure to it. So let's talk about example. I want to talk about the inbound and the outbound. I guess the import and the export version of drayage. Um, so in a nutshell, your customer will either have a container. I'm going to go with the ship version here, okay, coming into a port. They either have a container arriving or departing, and it's going to either come in or out through a port. I'll actually talk about the rail in a minute here. Um, and that container coming in or out you're not the one that is booking that on a ship, right? That's usually done through a, a freight forwarder. What your job is as a broker is to find them that transportation either to get that container loaded into the port or picked up from the from the port, right? So in a nutshell, uh, let's go with a, a container coming inbound, right? Your customer says, hey, I've got a container coming in to the port of, I don't know, Savannah, we'll go with, okay? So your job as a broker is to find a truck to go to the port, they're either gonna have their own chassis, so privately owned, or they're gonna rent or lease a chassis. They're going to check in, wait in line, pick up the container, deliver it either to a warehouse to get cross docked or to its final destination, and then go back and return that container. And possibly the chassis if they leased it. Um, what else you got to go more in depth on that? So correct. The process, and it's the same whether it's a boat or a railroad. Cargo coming in is an import, right? So you got a carrier that is either going to take their own chassis or grab a pool chassis is what they're referred to. Um, there's a fee every day for that chassis. They're going to go and grab the loaded container. They will take it to a receiver. They will deliver the cargo in the container and return the empty container, right? Two things that are important. You have time windows on imports which means if you do not pick it up by the LFD or the last free day, the carrier incurs storage charges at roughly $200 a day, whether it's at a port or a railroad, and you have about two days of free to pick it up. The and the reason for those fees, you are taking up valuable space, limited yes. valuable space in their yard. 
always. So no matter where this container is, and the difference in drage is all, there's a cost to everything you do. So there's a cost of the chassis, there's a cost if the container does not get pulled out. In full truckload, if you don't pick up a load, like that's it, like there's no fee or fine. Containers are sitting there on railroad property. Other containers are coming in, they need to get those out. So there's a fee if you don't get it out. That's paid by the carrier or the broker in some cases. So you need to know this when you're gonna start working in drayage that you could be paying for fees if you don't do what you said you could do by that time. The second big difference is when you're returning an empty container from an import, if you do not get it in in a certain time, let's say your carrier just leaves it at their yard and forgets about it for whatever reason, that carrier incurs fees every single day past a certain time window that your carrier or you as the broker could be liable for. So there are other things you need to track other than just the cargo and delivering it. You need to sometimes be aware of which chassis is used, whether or not the containers are returned in time and whether or not they're pulled out in time. Those are the Definitely. big differentials between full truckload and imports. Exports yeah. just the opposite. Like you grab an empty container, you get it loaded at a shipper, and then you return the loaded container to either a railroad or a port within a window, which is your ERD, earliest return date, and you have the other side of that window, which is your cutoff date. That's for an export. So where you have a window to get them out, you always have a window to get them back in. One final thing I wanna add in here is that because of the nature of drayage and how specific it is, there are drayage carriers that specialize in that, right? They could yes. be either just power only, or they own their own chassis, which obviously is gonna save them money and be, um, it's gonna make their bottom line stronger, right? They don't have to spend money to rent a chassis. Because if you're renting a chassis or leasing a chassis from another company, that company is making a profit just off that rental. Correct. Right? And you should And be they have to spend money. money to reposition their chassis where they're yes. desired. And in addition to that, right, like some other concerns are not only are there charges with that, but just being aware of where those are. And to your point, like, the, I mean, those are the big differentials. Yep. Good stuff. Well, cool, man. Great episode here. Um, who are the Steelers playing this weekend? Do you know? Chiefs. Oh, yeah. You said that already. Yep. Well, any given Sunday. Well, I, don't, I don't even know what day they're playing. But Sunday. Or no, oh, well, 26. So, yeah, I think that is yeah, Sunday yeah. because yeah. Christmas yeah. is. the Bills. Bills are 1 o'clock against the Patriots in New England, in Foxborough. No, is that what it is? Foxborough? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they're not right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I feel like I, oh, I always mess up the Meadowlands and Foxborough. Like they're, you know, like New, New Jets, York and New yeah. England. I've never been to either of those stadiums. I, I just like to go to see them in Buffalo here. Or Ultra Any Park. plans for Christmas? Uh, yeah, Christmas is always, it's always like a rat race for me. <laughs> Running around everywhere, man. House to house to house. Family stuff. And it goes until like New Year's. I swear, like you get like the main family on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And you get like the extended family during that week afterward and then New Year's and... Yeah, it's busy. One of my favorite Christmases I had is my wife and I went to the Bahamas. I think it was like three years ago. And we didn't have to do any of like the running around. Oh, it's We nice. just sat on a beach and it was 80 degrees, man. It was awesome. So It's funny but. you said that because that's pretty much what our plan's going to be. We were going to travel to Pittsburgh, but then our son came down and then we were going to travel to Orlando. And then we just decided we're going to have it here with my immediate family. And that's pretty much what we're going to do. Order a bunch of seafood, probably go sit on the beach, maybe go do some stuff in Palm Beach, but relax and enjoy the weather. Right on. Well, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Any, uh, any final thoughts here? 
Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.